Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Taking the scripture from the Old Testament from 1 Samuel chapter 28, Luke 15 and 1 Samuel 28. Amen. This evening. Amen. Uh, I, uh, I uh, this morning did not even give any recognition to my mother-in-law and Anthony. Amen. Being here this weekend. We're so thankful for them. Amen. Being here. Uh, birthdays and such and trips that they make up here. Amen. We don't uh, bad eye at or neglect because we know that uh, that is a trip. Amen. And I understand. I want you two to know this. I understand there's going to come a day you ain't going to be able to make that trip. All right. I want you to know that right now. And so whenever that day would ever come, you can say the word and I'm not going to uh, turn my head in one direction or another because I understand 100 percent that that day will come. But we appreciate your efforts. Amen. Being involved in the lives of your grandkids. Amen. Appreciate that. Amen. I'm going to turn again. Luke 15. Everybody there yet? Luke 15. First uh, Samuel 28. Amen. I had an eye doctor appointment this week on Thursday, and uh, my eye doctor has over the years turned uh, much more open to the concept of Christianity and religion for sure and is deep in the trenches of it. And so it's not uncommon for him to ask whenever I go what series I'm teaching at that time, what I plan on preaching on Sunday. And so he talked to me about that. And so I just gave him the little synopsis of where my spirit was going for Sunday. And so he, he, he felt like that was going to be all right. And so I got his endorsement. And so I think we're ready to go. Yeah, got, got the vision and such for it. So uh, we'll just head, head onward. Luke 15 and 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel, we'll do it second, Luke first. Luke 15 and verse 23, just one verse. This is the story uh, of a... Uh, trilogy of stories, right, of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and this comes from the lost son, if we were to call it that. Verse 23 says, and bring hither the, everybody say fatted calf, fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. So just extrapolating one verse out of there. First Samuel 28 and verse 24. Again, this is another uh, Thicker story, larger story than just what's contained in this one verse. This is the story of whenever Saul goes and visits the witch of Endor. All right? And the Bible says this in verse 24. And the woman, this is speaking of the witch, and the woman had, everybody say, a fat calf. A fat calf in the house. And she hasted and killed it and took flour and kneaded it and did bake unleavened bread thereof. Amen. For a little while tonight, I have preached from 1 Samuel 28 more than one time. But I preached not really all that long ago about a tale of two tables, uh, but concerning Saul's life when he first came to the Lord and at the end of his life. Tonight, I want to take the, this scripture and the one from Luke and talk to you about a tale of two celebrations. A tale of two celebrations. Amen. This evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We need his help tonight. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you here this evening. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord, in this place. 
God, let the anointing of your spirit, God, upon my mind, upon my lips, your word, God is already anointed. I pray, oh God, anoint your congregation this evening. God, to receive the word of the Lord into our own hearts and our own souls. Help us, Lord Jesus, in this measure and will not fail, Lord, to thank you, Lord, and appreciate you, Lord, for what you do or accomplish in this place tonight in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated today in Jesus' name. A tale of two celebrations. Here's the fact of the matter just in our uh, normal society, normal world in which we live. And that is this. Not all celebrations are equal. Not all celebrations are equal. Not every celebration necessarily has a positive connotation along with it. Celebrations may mark an important event or it may mark an important occasion. But what is quote unquote important is of course subjective to each person or it is subjective to each people group. For instance, horse fanatics may and will probably find interest in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Football fans are going to have interest, Brother Malone, in the Super Bowl. Uh, biologists probably whenever that first cloned sheep dolly came and was born had some interest that was involved in that. All of those things were important to those various people and those various people groups. Amen. But what may have been important to them may not be important to you and I. People take much pleasure in their celebrations. But again, the pleasure that one person may take in a particular celebration Another individual may find no pleasure in at all. A person even may take some offense to what some people celebrate, right? Uh, We live in a world, of course, there's the dynamics of quote-unquote celebrations. Uh, People uh, celebrate uh, gay pride, liberty marches. They they, uh, celebrate pro-choice. They celebrate then, on the other hand, prayer breakfasts and and, uh, being able to have the National Day of Prayer. All of these in their own regard, along their own people groups, are celebrated as celebrations. And people take pleasure in them. But again, what may be pleasurable to one may not be pleasurable to another. And so in their own regard, their celebrations. In their own regard, uh, people that are involved take pleasure in the celebration to some degree. It's according to who you are and uh, what you support and what you back. And so any celebration in many regards may be either positive or negative. It's all according to who you are, but the fact of the matter is not all celebrations are equal to every one. Amen. Some of the same items that are used to celebrate a birthday may be used also to celebrate an anniversary. There are certain items throughout the history, if you will, of celebrations that almost seem a core component to any celebration, such as, you know, a lot of times if you go into a celebration, food's going to be involved. Count me in. You know what I'm saying? Food's going to be involved. There's going to be music. There's going to be some type of interaction or, or talking or for the church world, we call it fellowship, all right, that's going on in the celebration. But the reason reason for our involvement, of course, in any celebration goes beyond just the mingling. It goes beyond what type of music is going to be there or the food that's going to be there. We must, as a people, consider what is the purpose that these core items are associated with. What is the reason for the celebration? In other words, let me say it like this. You probably won't find Fred McGee and Mike Penrod eating food at the opera house. 
But Fred might eat some food at a car show and Mike might eat some at a gun and a knife show. All of these things are, you know, celebrations. They might all have food as a common denominator and all of those. But for Fred and Mike, they're saying, what is the celebration about? Uh, what does this all entail? And so there are myriad of celebrations, myriad things, myriad personalities. But we must ask the question, what are they for? Amen? So in the Bible, in the hot and the arid climates of the Middle East, it was impossible, of course, uh, to keep meat preserved for any length of time. In these hot environments, meat would spoil. They had no way of keeping them cool for any lengthy period of time. And as a result of that, they kept their meat preserved by keeping their meat alive in the form of a livestock or an animal that was upon their pasture, their calves and their lambs and the kid goats that they had. They would always keep close by, ready to slaughter when they wanted to have a meal that included meat. When meat was desired, it meant they didn't go get something frozen from the freezer. It meant they went and got a warm animal from the field and they killed it and they dressed it and immediately they provided it on the table for the sake of those that were there to eat and partake of it. It prevented the meat from spoiling. Uh, I know us personally, there's nothing like fresh meat. I'm not trying to be gruesome. I'm just telling you the truth. There's, there's nothing like fresh meat. You know, it's not been frozen. We have record even in the Old Testament story that there was a period of time that three individuals showed up to visit Abraham and Sarah in the plains of Mamre prior to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that Abraham hastened and had a servant when these three men arrived. He had a servant to go into their herd, go into their livestock and choose he said, a tender calf so that we might prepare it for these three guests that have come into our own. They was about ready to eat meat that night. They went out to the field. They got a calf. They slaughtered it. They dressed it, and they prepared it for their three guests. And throughout the history of biblical history, it was, that is, meat and a calf in particular, fatted calf, was a standard component of the celebrations throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We have today our food and we have our music, but they had their fatted calf. All right. We have our modern day components. Their component back in those days was a fatted calf. Now, a fatted calf was different than just a regular calf that was in their fold. A fatted calf was set aside for a special occasion. A fatted calf was set aside for even what might be considered a rare occasion. Out of all of the livestock that an individual may own, they would have at least one animal that would be saved and set apart for such an occasion that may arise. Most animals that they had would graze in the fields and would eat of what was in the fields or upon the mountain, wherever they may have them. But a fatted calf was different from most animals. It wasn't allowed to graze in the field. It was kept in a stall. And it was fed while it remained in the stall, a special diet, just for the purpose of making it fat. As a matter of fact, they would give it extra food. And since it had extra food in the stall with immobility, not allowed to roam and graze, that meant it wasn't going to burn as many calories as it would normally burn as it would graze. And so it's going to get more and more fat, and it's going to gain more weight than the others had. And so you know what 
fat does, don't you? You go to the store, you're looking at those steaks and you're looking for the marbling and the meat, right? Because that fat's going to make the meat taste savory. Even if you don't eat the fat, it will flavor the meat. And so you're going to look for the marbling of the meat. So they're looking to fatten this animal up. And so whenever it's slaughtered, this is going to be a savory meal. It's going to be flavorsome as they prepare it for this special occasion, for this great celebration. And so among even the Hebrews, the fatted calf was regarded as the choicest, bon appetit, the choicest animal food that a person could have was the fatted calf. But... It was special. It's not like a diet that they got every day. It wasn't something that they had every weekend. It was for a rare and special occasion, a celebration. There was a solitary reason for slaughtering the fatted calf. It must be special. It must be a celebration. It must be rare. And understand, these people that are fattening up the calf, they've invested a lot in that animal. A lot of extra food went that way. They had to build a stall in order to contain it. And so they've invested a lot of time, energy, and resources. And so, again, for that reason, that animal is going to be reserved for a particular festival. It's going to be for an extraordinary sacrifice. Amen. The most exuberant celebration that fatted calf is going to be saved for because it's going to be the meal of the year, the meal of choice, because it was for a time of celebration. Can someone say amen? Much of the idea of this idea of celebrations or much of the idea of even celebrating with a fatted calf comes from Luke 15. If you ever made mention of a fatted calf, people that have somewhat of a Bible knowledge are going to know Luke 15. It's the prodigal story. That's where you hear of, that's where you learn of the fatted calf, the prodigal returning to his father's house. Even still today in society, we use the term fatted calf almost metaphorically for a symbol of a festive celebration or more importantly rejoicing amen for someone's long awaited return back to a place where they formerly have been but in Luke 15 as I read in your hearing tonight Luke 15 is not the only place a fatted calf is mentioned in the scripture neither is it the only place where someone celebrated the return of another in scripture but in 1 Samuel 28, it also records that there was a fat calf that was prepared. It was that core component of a special occasion and a celebration that was prepared in 1 Samuel 28. Uh, Saul was likewise returning to a place. Amen. In verses 3 and verse number 9 of 1 Samuel 28, the Bible indicates that Saul had formerly put away all of those that had familiar spirits. All of those that were wizards in the land he had placed outside of the land. As a matter of fact, the law of the children of Israel had made no provisions for those that were witches and warlocks and had familiar spirits and wizards. The Bible said plainly in the book of Exodus that thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And so Saul had put out in his former years of being in a close relationship with God. He had put out all of the witches and the wizards and the warlocks out of the land. He had outlawed the witches in the land and witchcraft from the land because he was in fellowship with God. But now in 1 Samuel chapter 28, please note that the very thing that he had put away, he's returning to. The very thing
thing that he had displaced out of the land, he is returning to. See, it's interesting tonight because the prodigal in Luke 15, the prodigal's father prepared a fatted calf for his son who was returning home. But the witch of Endor is preparing a fat calf for Saul because he is also returning. Someone say amen. Amen. And here is a fatted calf according to the history of Scripture that it's reserved for a special occasion. It's reserved for a time of celebration. Amen. It's a special event. But remember, what is a special event to one party may be quite absurd to another party. Amen. You cannot judge the party solely by the food and the music and the celebration itself. you got to look at the core components, yes, but you must ask this question why is there a celebration going on because one would think why would one expend a fatted calf on a man that's coming to visit a witch whenever I thought a fatted calf was just for all the prodigal sons and daughters that was coming home can I tell you tonight that the celebrations that are in the father's house have a rival that's a celebration in the house of the witches and the warlocks and of darkness and despair likewise someone say amen and so is everybody doing okay There was a celebration even in the New Testament surrounding the Bible says Herod's birthday in which he had all the high officials come in, those people that served in hierarchy in the kingdom. They came to be a part of his banquet to help him celebrate. There was food, core component. There was dancing, core component. It was a grand celebration. But we understand the story of Herod's birthday party is the story where the head of John the Baptist's head was required on a silver charger. The man of God that had been a preacher of repentance, it was required on a silver charger the Bible even tells us that Herod feared John meaning that Herod respected John he knew the Bible says that John was a holy man and he was a just man and he observed him and looked at him kindly and when he had a chance to hear John the Bible says that Herod would hear him gladly but on this day his birthday the celebration the Bible says that Herod was exceeding sorrow because he beheaded John the Baptist because he made an oath to Herodias' daughter and because for the sake of the oath that he made in the sight of all the people this celebration was supposed to be grand and great but it required the voice, the head of one that was a preacher of repentance and yet he did it anyway. What I'm saying tonight is this, not all celebrations are equal. Amen. Some celebrations will have have you sacrificed the very things that you formerly respected? Not all celebrations are equal. Sometimes there's celebrations that are silencing the voices that you may have one time trusted, voices that at one time spoke into your life. Not every celebration, can I say it like this, is worth celebrating. Not every celebration is worth taking place in a part of. They're not worth the price of the celebration. The Bible says that Joshua and Moses in the Old Testament, they're descending from the Mount of God. And as they descend and they get to the bottom of it, literally and figuratively, there's Aaron. And we read the story there in Genesis 32. 
Aaron had told the people at this time before Moses came down, before Joshua came down, they're up there. He's getting the, 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 the Ten Commandments. He's getting the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. Aaron's at the base of the mountain. The Bible says that Aaron declares unto the people, he says, tomorrow's going to be a feast. He says, bring unto me all of your gold. Bring unto me all your gold. Bring it unto me. And we're going to offer offerings and sacrifices unto the Lord. Tomorrow's going to be a feast. And so the people brought their gold unto him. The next day they offered their sacrifices. The Bible says this. It's a celebration. It's a festival. The Bible says that they sat down to eat. Foods involved. They rose up and they sat down also to drink, but they rose up to play. There was dancing. There was festivities. All of these things were going on. Might I even say tonight that they invested in their own fatted cap. They invested in their own fatted cap per se because they donated all the golden earrings unto Aaron. For what purpose? For the purpose of creating the fattening of the golden calf that they would dance around, that they would shout around, that they would offer sacrifices and offerings to. All the core components, if you will, of a celebration was there at the base of that mountain. And as Joshua and as Moses descended the mount, Joshua makes a judgment call based upon one he hears in Exodus 32 and says in verse 17, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, Moses said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. God has already had a conversation with Moses. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. He says, but it is the noise of them that sing that I do hear. Verse 19, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables of stone out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. What are you saying? I'm saying what we have here in this moment. Aaron says it's going to be a festival. They have all the components for celebration. There is singing taking place. There's dancing taking place. There's food that's there. There's drink that's there. They have their own, if you will, calf that is there among them of some sort. But the Bible says in this celebration, the man of God gets to the base of the mountain and anger is waxing into his spirit. Amen. It's not a celebration to Moses. They're singing, they're dancing, but in the spirit of the man of God, there's anger that's waxing hot concerning this sordid, amen, celebration because he wasn't fooled by just the components of food. He wasn't fooled by just the components of dancing, amen, and those shouting, amen, about here and there. He knew the purpose behind the celebration. He says, I can't sing to this. I can't dance to this. I can't partake of the food around here. You call it a celebration. He says, but I want to look at the purpose. It has all the dynamics of a celebration, but I know its purpose. It's not right in the sight of God. Not every celebration is worth celebrating. Amen. The people were celebrating the gods of Egypt. There's a hook. We'll throw it on there. Amen. They were celebrating the gods of Egypt. Amen. Even Aaron said it. Here be your gods what brought you up out of Egypt. The Bible tells us that whenever Israel left Egypt, they spoiled Egypt. They spoiled them whenever they departed. They saw, amen, some things that they could take or they could ask to borrow of the Egyptians. And so they saw what they took from Egypt 
to be their source of deliverance when they handed over that gold unto the golden calf to be made and they worshipped and Aaron saying here be thy gods which delivered thee out of Egypt yet you must understand repetitively imagine how this falls upon the heart of God over and over again through the Old Testament in the listing of the Ten Commandments and in other places besides the Ten Commandments the Bible says the Lord spoke to them repetitively and said I am the Lord thy God which brought thee up out of the land of bondage and out of the land of Egypt and here they are worshiping having a celebration around something that someone said that's what delivered you and God on sundry occasions said it was I that delivered you it was by my hand by my strength by my power I'm the one that's done it not every celebration is worth celebrating just because the music there don't just necessarily just walk headlong into the celebration just because the food and the excitement's there that doesn't mean you walk headlong into the celebration someone say amen and yes the people around about the calf were having pleasure no doubt (laughs) no doubt they were having pleasure in what they were doing someone say amen here's what you must consider Will the pleasure that I get today from today's celebration, will it anyway limit the pleasure that I could have then in tomorrow's celebration? Listen, it's not in biblical times as though a person kept a whole herd of fatted calf. It's not like they stalled every calf. No, no, no. They kept a calf. For a special occasion. Again, it was rare. Listen to me very clearly. And so what a person has to decide is this. Is the occasion important enough to surrender the calf that I've been investing in? What I've been feeding and holding here for maybe even years, fattening up, is it worth sacrificing now for this moment? For this celebration. Because if I do it prematurely for this celebration. And there's a bigger wave celebration tomorrow. I have no calf to offer. If I expend my fatted calf on something insignificant today. Then I won't have a calf to celebrate with with tomorrow. Someone hear me right now? Listen to me. This is the case of the children of Israel. Because the children of Israel. They were tasked by Moses. This is after the golden calf experience. They are tasked by Moses. He says, every man bring what he can bring of material. Gold, silver, bronze, fabric, skins, cloth. Bring whatever you can bring. Why? He says, because when I've come down from the mount, it's not just been with the Ten Commandments. I've been given the design and the blueprints to the tabernacle of God. And he says, the material's coming from all of you. Follow me very closely. The material's coming from all of you. All the gold, all of the silver, all of the skins. Amen. It's coming from you. The onyx stones, the sweet incense, the oil. You can read your Bibles. It's there. It's all coming from you. And the Bible says that the people gave so much, a superabundance of things. Amen. That he even had to say, don't, don't bring anything else. But the question is, where did all of that material of gold and silver and blue and scarlet and fine linens, where did all that come from? I tell you where it came from it came from Egypt 
Watch me here. Exodus 12 and verse 35, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. This is when they're about ready to leave Egypt. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment. Verse 36, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they lent unto them such things as they required. They spoiled the Egyptians. Whenever they left, they left with gold and silver and bronze. When they left, they left with blue and purple and fine linen. They left with badger skins and ram skins. and They left with oil and sweet incense. When they left, they spoiled the house of Egypt. And so everything that Israel left with from Egypt would be used. Listen to me. Its purpose was so that it might be used for the kingdom of God in building the tabernacle of God. Someone say amen. God says, I'm going to allow you to spoil them because I have a building that I want you to build so I might dwell among you. And I'm giving you the material from your bondage. I'm giving you the material from your bondage for the purpose of building my house, a place where I will dwell. Someone say amen. amen. But between the building of the tabernacle and the leaving of Egypt is the golden calf at the base of a mountain. Someone say amen. And so we know in the golden calf scenario that the gold that was used for casting the calf was their earrings that they got from Egypt. We even read, amen, that they received these things and they spent them then here at the golden calf. And the Bible says they cast them into the fire. Amen, Aaron took a fashioning tool to it and out came this golden calf. Can I tell you, they expended the gold from Egypt on a subpar celebration. Someone say amen. What are you saying? I'm saying they jumped the gun. God brought them out of Egypt and they jumped the gun and donated their materials toward a celebration. Was there singing? Yes. Was there dancing? Yes. Was there food? Yes. But it was a lesser celebration. They gave up their gold for the golden calf. Watch it here. Imagine now, days later, as Moses starts to go around and says, God has commissioned us to build us a tabernacle for him. And I need you to surrender whatever materials you got from Egypt for the purpose of building God's house. Mark my words well tonight. There were some people that had nothing to offer because they already gave it to the golden calf. There were some that had no gold to hand over because they already surrendered their gold to a different celebration, a lesser celebration, an insignificant celebration. They were now at a place trying to build something into the house of the Lord and they were celebrating what was considered little old gods that they thought in the moment that had brought them out of Egypt, but it had not. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. And so here's Moses asking now for gold for a holy purpose to establish the tabernacle. But some people have empty hands because they gave up their fatted calf a little too soon. Amen. God's people had returned from Egyptian bondage. And this tabernacle was going to provide a place. Listen to me. It was going to provide a place for them to have fellowship with their God. It was going to provide a place, amen, for them to have communion with the God that they had been estranged 
comes from for some 400 years. A notable celebration, right? Yes, but some would be empty-handed. They already spent everything they had on another celebration. Let me pause here and tell us tonight that if we're going to invest our strength and our skills and our talent and our abilities in our life, let's do it in fattening up a calf that's going to be for a celebration worth celebrating. One of the ploys of the enemy in this day, folks, listen to me very well, is that he wants us to expend our assets on celebration that have no sacred meaning. He wants us to expend our goods. He wants us to make our investment in things that have no eternal meaning, no sacred meaning. He wants us to deplete our resources that we would give to the kingdom. I'm not talking about money, but it kind of fits that too. But he wants us to deplete our resources on things that we would give to the kingdom to build the kingdom, on trivial festivities of the world. Amen. Celebrations that have the music, the dancing, and the noise, but they don't have the purpose. Someone say amen. So the Bible in Luke 15, the prodigal, I'm doing a little compare and contrast for you here. The prodigal was driven home by the famine in the land and his lack of resources at this period of time in his life, right? Because his inheritance that he got from his dad whenever he first left home, he consumed on riotous living. And so there's a famine in the land and now he is lacking resources, but Saul was driven back to those witches and familiar spirits because of war that was in his land. The Philistines were coming in, and he also had lack of resources because the Bible says that the prophet Samuel was dead. And though Saul seemed to try just a little bit, he lacked any direction from the Lord, whether it be by dreams or by the Urim and the Thurman that was in the breastplate of the, of the high priest or even prophets. And so one is driven back because, amen, there is famine and they lack resources. Saul's driven back because here it is war and he's lacking resources. The Bible says in both stories, you can read them when you get home, that both Saul and the prodigal are hungry when they go home. Amen. They've not eaten in a while. Saul, the Bible says, has not eaten any bread all day and all night. And we understand that the Bible says concerning the prodigal that he was perishing with hunger insomuch that even the husk that the swine ate was starting to look appealing to him. And so both of them are returning in a hungry state. The son goes to his father and he claims, Father, I have sinned. But Saul goes to the witch of Endor and deepens his sin. Saul goes under the guise of night and the Bible says he disguises himself to return. But the Bible also tells us concerning the prodigal that as he goes home, he just goes home as he is. Someone say amen. Oh, the meal, amen, that Saul ate 
we read in the very next few chapters, he's already, Saul's already positioned in Mount Gilboa. He's just went about eight miles over to visit with the witch, to consult the witch. He is in the next few chapters, very quickly, the last chapter of 1 Samuel, amen, is going to die in Mount Gilboa. There is probably, and I'm not telling you just 100%, but there is probably just a few hours that transpire from the time that he's in the witch's presence until the time he dies on Mount Gilboa. So it's very likely that that meal that he has of the fat calf in the witch's house is probably his last meal to eat before he dies. He's already in Gilboa. He's going to go to battle the next day. He is going to die. But the meal that the prodigal eats in his father's house is most likely one meal of many more meals yet to come. Other celebrations that are going to follow that he not every celebration is the same. Amen. One had a celebration meal that was going to last, amen, for the last time, while the other was going to have a celebration meal that was going to lead to other meals in his lifetime. And the question we must ask ourselves tonight is this. Are we participating in a celebration today that may exempt us or preclude us from ever being able to celebrate again? Or is this a springboard celebration that's leading to to another celebration and another celebration and a, it's the tale of two celebrations. Saul did not get into a separated state from God overnight. None of us do. Matter of fact, Scripture records it took him about 16 years to get to where he was. Same number of years that he chased David as a fugitive through the mountains and here and there. More importantly, the same number of years that God had given him opportunity to repent. And return to fellowship again. God, for Saul, seemed to have grown silent because of sin. I, I, I revert to these scriptures off times of Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 where the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that, he, that it cannot say, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But, uh, verse number 2 is the operative word, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not here. If it ever seems like God can't reach you or that he's not listening to you, he says it is iniquity and sin that causes the division and the separation. Amen. From the face of God. And so here was Saul's dilemma. What he thought. He thought that the answer to the silence of God and this is not the answer, but the answer to the silence of God would be the voice of the witch and his servants that he would hearken to. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the answer to the silence of God is not finding a different consultant, but it's finding a place of repentance. Herod silenced the voice of John the Baptist. Herod Silence the voice of the preacher of repentance in his birthday celebration. And what that quickly turned into, a birthday celebration, turned into a silencing party of repentance. 
And the fat calf for Saul, sure, it was a core component of celebration. But this celebration of Saul returning to the witch of Endor was nothing more but a wayward person that was seeking in the wrong place for the direction and the guidance of God without making amends with God. What do you mean? I'm saying sometimes people are wayward from the Lord. They want direction and guidance from him without making anything right with him. What are you talking about? No repentance. The prodigal story in a moment is worth celebrating. He returned home. Yes, absolutely. But more importantly, he said those words. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. See, what that celebration really was was a celebration of repentance. And a celebration of repentance is always a celebration worth celebrating. It holds all the positive connotations of a honorable celebration because it's in that trilogy of stories of lost sheep and lost coin and lost son that the Bible speaks to you and I that says that both in heaven and in the presence of the angels of God, amen, is joy over one sinner that repents because that's a celebration. We're celebrating. The Bible says, and look at this, that the witch of Endor says had a fat calf in the house. And she noticed the wording that's used here in our English translations. And she hasted and killed it. It says in the New Testament concerning the prodigal son and his father in verse 30 of, 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 of Luke 15. As soon as the son was come. That his father killed for him the fatted calf. So both in the Old Testament story of the celebration and the New Testament story of a celebration, both involving fatted calves, there is a hastening. There is an immediacy in slaying the fatted calf for both individuals. Hurry up and kill the fatted calf for Saul. Hurry up and kill the fatted calf for the prodigal son. In other words, don't hesitate. Don't pause. I come tonight to say this. Listen to me very clearly. If the witch is eager to celebrate the return of Saul back to a familiar spirit, how much the more should the father's house be determined to celebrate the sons and the daughters that return home at the father's house? Stand with me, I'll, I'll, hasten, I'll hasten. See, some people join the biggest celebration without considering the purpose of the celebrations. It's just if the biggest thing are going, the biggest spread, the most noise, the most dancing, the most whatever, then count me in, but they do not consider the purpose for it. But I believe tonight that that is fuel enough to throw caution to the wind and celebrate the estranged that come back home. Because there is no need for, listen clearly, there is no need for the world to celebrate their returns to the world more vigorously than the church would their returns to the church. 
if the world celebrates their returns, then the church need to be celebrating our returns. Matter of fact, dream with me for a moment. What would happen tonight if the biggest celebrations were the church when the sinners came home? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about you know size and we'll just join up with whatever's the biggest and blast the loudest, what would happen if the biggest celebrations were by the church when the sinners came home? What what would be the message that the church would be sending if we didn't prematurely sacrifice our calves for temporal things and unimportant things, but we did it for those who were going to be saved and for those who were going to be introduced to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because here's the fact of the matter: there will always be a celebration in both the world and in the church there will always be people returning back to the world and back to the church but I ask you what is being celebrated in each regard so I commend us and I, I more so prod us implore us let's not hesitate let's not forget to lift up our voice and celebrate not just when the sons and daughters come home, but let's not forget to celebrate every service. Huh? Because I don't want to come in here empty-handed because I foolishly expended all of my investment somewhere else except here. I don't want to have no gold to offer because I offered it everywhere else in my week except here. It's a tale of two celebrations. Amen. And so we need to rejoice then tonight, folks, over every service we have, over every opportunity of being in the house of the Lord. We need to rejoice over every new birth in Jesus Christ, every individual that comes back home and that's renewed in the spirit. We need to rejoice over every victory that someone has over a temptation they met that week. We need to have a victory song and celebration over every sin someone's overcome. We need to celebrate the healings that's happened in people's bodies, the releasing of people from the hospital. We need to celebrate every marriage that didn't dissolve. We need to celebrate every person that didn't collapse through a calamity that came in their home and their family. We need to celebrate, celebrate, get the fatted calf. I hope someone's got it in a stall because there's good reason. This is a rare occasion and we're going to celebrate. We're going to lift up our voice. If they lift up their voice when they come back out there, we're going to lift up our voice for what takes place in here and the only way we can do that is if we invest in a calf now feed it because what you're nourishing today is going to help you celebrate triumphs tomorrow it's a tale of two celebrations fatted calves in both scenarios Hunger in both scenarios. Returnings in both scenarios. But I don't think there would be anybody here to say, yeah, I want to be a part of that celebration where that man went back to the witch. Now we're like, forget it. But for somebody, that's a celebration tonight. The real reality is, for somebody out here tonight, some of the things that you think would be an absurd celebration are very vital and important to somebody else in this life tonight. With a skewed mentality, that's been lied, deceived. But I want the celebrations of the Father's house to hear, look, and feel more appealing than the celebrations of the witch's dungeon.
We got to be excited. I'm not talking about a pseudo excitement. I'm not talking about all that. But there needs to be a genuine excitement about being in the Father's house and what the Father can do. And those that are lost that can be saved and those that are estranged that can be made whole. We got to be excited about this. I mean, if they can be excited and talk for days about how they were drunker than a skunk and threw up most of the night and went to work the next day. And honey, I want to say, whenever I left the church, I was soaking wet with sweat. And I was so tired, I was ready to hit my pillow at that night. And I woke up without a hangover. You know what I'm saying, Sister Adams? We got something worthy of a celebration. And it's worth paying. It's worth paying the price. It's worth paying the price. So if you're going to render your gold, your silver, your talent, your abilities, your efforts, your strength, render it to something that builds the kingdom. Render it to something that builds the house of God. Render it to something that becomes a sanctuary, a fellowship with the Most High. Hallelujah. It's a tale of two celebrations. Every time we gather here, it is a special occasion in my, in my estimation. Every time we gather here, it's a special occasion in my estimation. Because I don't know. I think that every time that I come here, possibly a son or daughter could come home. Every time I open those double back doors and it's 20 minutes before service time and people start falling in, I'm thinking that a broken person might be able to find healing. Every time I'm thinking, I'm thinking, whenever I, before you get here, listen, before you get here, I still show up an hour early before church. Before you get here, I still go to the back because I figure I can take care of my own germs. I go to the back and I still pray before you get here. And then I pray with you out here. What are you doing? I tell you what I'm doing. I'm fattening a calf back there. I'm It's stall fed. It's not roaming. I'm fattening a calf. Why? Because there's some things worth celebrating. And if it's going to be celebrated, I'm going to have the best food, the best music, the best singing, the best dancing. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. We're going to end this service tonight. We bow our heads all across this place. These altars are open tonight. These altars are open tonight. Somebody might need to find an altar tonight and just to stall one of your livestock and start feeding one of your lambs. Start fattening it up for the next occasion. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.